0: Welcome to Hostel Homies, a podcast focused on the best parts of backpacker culture. I'm your host, Joe Glasgow. Each week I sit down with a new guest, ranging from the people I meet while I'm abroad to professionals who work in the travel industry. Listen along as they share hilarious and inspiring travel stories, unparalleled recommendations on where to go, and tips for seeing the world on a budget. For Hostel Homies, it's all about the journey, the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Hello, Hostel Homies. This episode is brought to you by The Hostel Group. Visit thehostelgroup.com and support hostels by booking direct.
1: He wanted to hold my hand. So throughout the the whole... (laughs) He was holding my hand and sometimes even fighting with his mom because he wanted to hold my hand. Oh my God! Like a kid. And I had it on my 360 camera. And that camera broke, and uh, it didn't get recorded. So, so this
2: feeling that you had this it. captured, I you was... had this moment captured, and you've lost it.
0: This oh. is uh, very frustrating. It was terrible. Yeah, that hurts. That hurts your whole soul right there. That really, like, as someone who who produces things and takes pictures and records audio, the idea of losing an SD card is uh, is an absolute nightmare. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Being a productive travel blogger or being productive while on the road, I feel like there's got to be a pressure to be putting in work. How do you measure your productivity while you're traveling?
1: If you have read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's, one, it's it? one of my favorite books, yeah.
1: Most, most of the people around the world, especially travelers and digital nomads, have read this book. Mm-hmm. So we actually even before reading this book i read it like three months ago let's be very honest here Uh, before this we always had these mini retirements as he talks about them there but we didn't even know we would call it this way we made our performance by our mini retirements we would work for like two three months really hard being in a new place so we get a little bit of exploration But we really work very hard. And then we go for between two and six months of constant travel with just maintenance work to keep things afloat. So we measure how good we are at doing this by how long we need to stay in one place to really put our efforts into developing our business against how long we can then travel constantly and how many countries we can go to and places and experiences before we really need to sit down and do that again.
2: So it's work hard, play hard.
0: What zone are you in right now? If you're in Taiwan, are you in the work, work hard phase? or Work, work yeah.
1: We're hard at work now, hard at work. Within the last 12 months, we've been to more than 30 countries. It's time to slow down. <laughs>
2: we've been on a couple of uh, road trips.
1: Um, um, and through... Uh, continents and stuff so we were very busy traveling for the past year and now it's time to catch up on work do a little bit more so we can move to Americas.
0: I like the way of doing that where even during your work modes you're still spending it in a foreign area a foreign country so how many how many hours a day when you're in these work modes are you spending working?
1: When we work on the computers Uh, We work between 10 and 12 hours a day. We wake up very early in the morning, normally 5 o'clock, but our partners like to sleep a little bit longer. So we have adjusted to 7 o'clock start. (laughs) Uh, And then we work for 10, 12 hours every day. However, when we travel, that doesn't change much. We, We just change from just work to work and travel. So we would travel most of the day, uh, see things and stuff, and still stay in some cafes to work a little bit more, because you need to maintain
2: So 10-12 hours sounds like a hardcore uh, uh, day, but uh, we always have breaks, we go to different uh, cafeterias Mm -hmm. to work, Um, we do brainstorm sessions somewhere in the nature. And
1: let's be very honest, we love what we're doing, so... It doesn't even feel like work.
0: Sure. Yeah. yeah. When you, especially when you're out somewhere that, that is uh, different or foreign to what you're used to, I think uh, I think that makes it a lot more appealing. That's yeah.
2: True. But now we feel like we, uh, we we are really focused on work and uh, making things done, so we can move with our plans to visit uh, both North and South Americas.
0: Well, I feel like both of you, if you're putting in that many hours a day, I feel like you guys are getting down a good rhythm. Uh, what tips and advice would you give someone? And this could be someone who's already a digital nomad or someone who's aspiring to be one. What tips could you give to increase their productivity and workflow while on the road?
1: Number one, I think the most important, of course, uh, depending on the individual, for us what works the most is starting early in the morning because the first few hours of work are the most productive. And once you accomplish something new, create something new every day as the first thing you've ever done this particular day, then you're already winning. And then you continue with your day. Whatever happens after that, whatever you spend your time on, you already won the day. And that really makes it makes us go further. Mm-hmm. So
2: try to at five and by ten you will feel like, whoa, I've already accomplished so much and the day has just started for uh, the majority of people.
0: Yeah. No kidding. You so, are early risers on the road.
1: Yes. Yes. That, was num- that would be number one. Number two, um, refrain from alcohol because it does slow you down mm-hmm. and parties are great and all, but you don't need to drink to... Uh, alcohol to enjoy the party and without that you on, you you not only stay in control but you can also wake up in the morning and still be productive the next day so that needs to be um, i'm sorry every friday party that doesn't help and every hostel party you get involved into it really can slow you down more than just one day of hangover
0: yeah, no, I'm glad you guys bring that up because I think a lot of people, especially staying in hostels, you sort of, you, you get to a point where you kind of rely on the alcohol. You rely on that going out on the, uh, you know, the the pub crawls and everything like that. And it eventually just starts turning into the same thing no matter what city you go to. So we'll get messages into the, the inbox for Hostile Homies, and it's, you know, it's people who express that they wanna travel, but they're, you know, they're afraid to because they think something bad will happen, and I think it's our job as travelers to let them know that they're not crazy for having these fears, because bad things do happen, but uh, I think we need to remind them that things have a way of working out. So, has anything happened to, to either of you, both of you, during your travels that seemed dangerous, scary, embarrassing at the time? Uh, that you can kind of look back and, and laugh about? and I, I know we kind of talked about the the North Korea trip, but are, are there any, any travels outside of that that, that that bring up memories? Well,
1: North Korea was very safe. There is There was there nothing happened there that we would be embarrassed or um, regretful of uh, or scary as such. There was actually mm-hmm. a very pleasant experience there, apart from um, the knowledge of... Um learning experience there—it was very intense, but it was not dangerous in any way. However, we had dangerous uh, encounters during the travels. Um, my
2: first one, if I may start, was—I um, went to China, so as mentioned already, for my first um, for my first experience. I travel experience and I got bitten by a toxic spider in Hunan province, oh, no. which was a very, um, very rural place. Uh, and I Not was, much
1: medical attention.
2: <laughs> yes, I was sleeping and I got bitten and uh, I, my, my face got infected and um, it was uh, pretty scary, I would say. But still, like uh, people were so nice to take care of me. I was in a school at that time, uh, teaching some English, so I had full attention from teachers and uh, doctors from the from the village. Um, but that, that really scared me because my face was uh, really infected, very red, um, and I didn't look good. I didn't <laughs> feel good. Yes, and that was my first trip. Uh, and uh, that was
1: even before we started traveling together so
2: yeah i was by myself we uh we rushed to the hospital and i got injections and for the for the next like i was getting injections for two weeks so uh yeah that's my bad experience
0: (laughs) (laughs) that is definitely a bad experience but it, it worked out okay and you still love traveling
2: Yes, and I look pretty uh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she said
1: it's good, okay?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, well, you made it through that. So, it says, how about how about yourself? Do you have anything that happened to you that, uh, that you can look back and, and laugh about or, or smile about?
1: Sure. I have, <laughs> a, I have a much longer story actually because um, I, we have already mentioned that I was passionate about long distance cycling. And I I loved it. I, I loved it so much that after Vietnam, I decided to do a little bit further. Uh, one, I wanted to cycle from Hong Kong to my home city in Poland, which is just over 12,000 kilometers
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, through wow. Himalayas and stuff. So it would take me one year, and that was my passion. I, I started to uh, prepare for that. And knowing that Agnes actually didn't like cycling that much, I was planning to do it solo. Mm -hmm. So, to start doing this, I wanted to prepare first with a solo trip around Japan for one month, and just before I left, I was dancing, and I spun around on my foot, and instead of my foot going around the floor, my knee went around 180 degrees. Oh, and that changed my life completely because a uh, part of my knee bone broke off on the left side Ooh. and I had a surgery to take it out on the right side.
0: Oh my gosh, I can feel that when you say it. I can like hear that injury. Yes,
1: <laughs> there was a sound. Uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> I have to say that it has changed my life because just three weeks later, I was about to embark on my journey, solo journey on a a bicycle. And because of that, I didn't go, of course. And I was in China. I didn't speak any Chinese at the time. And I went to a hospital. Agnes uh, was initially there, but she had to go very soon to Europe. And I was left in China without anyone around without the language and without being able to walk 4 meters to the toilet I couldn't even go to the toilet because I was stuck in bed for the next few months I couldn't oh, walk uh, after the operation and that's how thing, my life changed because I'm glad it happened because uh, someone took care, uh, took care of me and the person who took care of me later became my girlfriend and, and she didn't speak any English. I spoke zero Chinese and we decided that I learned Chinese and she took care of me. And then I learned Chinese. And thanks to that, I learned Chinese language and then stayed over in China for the next few years I have managed to open a bar there, open a 3D printing shop and had many, many, many fantastic memories from China. And that's only because I couldn't go on on my travels because of that accident.
0: Oh my gosh, I did not expect it to go that way. That's the most romantic injury story I've ever heard.
1: Life takes different turns Mm. and travel is no different than staying in your own home. It's not any more dangerous than it is to stay in your home country because my accident didn't happen because I was traveling. My accident happened because my knee was weak.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't matter where you are, you can cross the streets in front of your house and a car can run you over. Don't be scared of traveling. Not much more will happen to you while you travel apart from learning new uh, horizons. In terms of uh, safety, it might actually be safer where you go than where you are now.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, one of my one of my favorite things about traveling, probably my favorite thing, is the the people that you meet and the uh, the impacts that, that they have on you. Uh, are there are there people that you've met during your travels that have had a really big impact on your life? Uh, and the, you know this can be someone from. The travels recently, or from you know when you when you first started out?
1: Um, for me, I think there were two people, uh, like two travel bloggers, that I can that really changed uh, the way I uh, things went on. The one is John Blair, who I mentioned already because mm-hmm. he told me it's easy to get to North Korea, so yeah. I went. <laughs> so very very big influence. Mm-hmm. And another person is Lydia Young Mm -hmm. from Lydia Scapes, uh, my current girlfriend, uh, who I met last year at a travel blogger conference in Ireland, TBEX, and since we met, we have together been to more than 26 countries, and thanks to her, I have got back into uh, rock climbing, and now Uh, We both rock climb Indoors and outdoors All the time, every week At least once or twice And we get on those Amazing uh, Rock climbing trips Something I couldn't do with Agnes Because Agnes doesn't like it And I have someone who likes it And also apart from uh, rock climbing That we do together uh, With Lydia She's also Christian And I found um, a new community wherever we go we always go to church every Sunday so that's really a fantastic thing.
0: Wow yeah very a very big impact indeed and Agnes how, how about yourself?
2: I don't know if you've noticed but says is the romantic one here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no kidding.
2: Yeah for me one of the most uh, inspiring uh, people uh, I've ever met during my travels uh, is Niall Doherty of uh, disrupting the rubble man Mm -hmm. and uh, he's an Irish man who visited uh, over 37 countries from what I remember without taking a single airplane so uh, he's very inspiring for those who are fear feared of flying Mm -hmm. and uh, they are nearly uh, giving up on their travel dreams because they they feel like they cannot really go anywhere without flying and uh and i met niall in amsterdam uh after following his um blog for years and he turned out to be an an amazing person like great sense of humor he's so humble and very helpful and super charming so we had like a few drinks together with uh, his girlfriend and uh that made me even like him more and follow his journeys more. It's funny because I found out about Niall from Sess, and then I was the one meeting him in person. <laughs> it
0: How would have worked out that way. Yeah, right.
1: I'm, I'm sure we're gonna meet. I'm sure we're gonna meet. The world is
0: small. Especially when you're, especially when people are moving all the time, the uh, paths tend to cross. So, as the podcast goes on, I, I brought this up before. The, the goal of the podcast is really to inspire others to travel. Do either of you or both of you have a, a moment that, that you can look at? And you, both of you have clearly traveled a lot, so I'm sure there's there's a couple of these. But is there a specific moment that you can think of where you were, you were in this time and you thought to yourself, I am only seeing or experiencing or living this thing right now because I'm traveling?
2: Yeah, definitely. Have you watched uh, the Avatar movie? Yes. Yes, so imagine there is a very, very special place uh, in Hunan province, in China, where these ma- mountains are real. and The
1: Hallelujah Mountains from Avatar movie.
2: Yeah, that really inspired the, floating mountains. the director yeah, to make the movie. And um, that was actually my first, uh, my first destination in China mm-hmm. when I went uh, to Hunan province to teach English. And uh, after, I believe, a month of teaching, uh, we, uh, the whole school went on the street to, to see the Alleluia mountains. And I was there just being surrounded by these beautiful mountains floating in the air. And yeah, I was like, wow, this, I can see these uh, beautiful uh, places like this particular beautiful place because I'm, I'm traveling and uh, I decided to uh, just go to China and explore and open my heart and open my mind to new experiences. Yeah, that was my moment.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I love those moments where they're, you know, especially when you're surrounded by nature that you're not used to, it, it, it tends to be very humbling.
2: Especially when you see something like in a movie and you think like it couldn't be even more beautiful than this. And then you're already there and you realize, yes, it can. And that's real. And that's because I'm traveling and uh, that's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it kind of confirms the image for uh, for reality. That's amazing.
2: And you says
0: <laughs> Okay, so I, I just got very romantic in my head and I thought <laughs> <Of course. laughs> the
1: things that I have seen and there were many. Whatever place you are in the world, there's every day someone just there. And there is nothing special about the place. The only special things are moment and people you share it with. Mm-hmm. I'll give you a story, but it will be zero robots. <laughs>
0: that's, that's totally fine.
1: <laughs> okay, so imagine uh, me actually the very first day of my ever travel in my life, apart from these European two uh, short travels. So the very first flight from uh, Poland all the way to Vietnam, where I was about to start my journey. Imagine me and two of my friends, two girls. Um, We all went there for different reasons. One uh, went there for two weeks and then was flying back to Poland. She had a job there. One went there to go to Cambodia because she went there before. And by the way, she just gave birth to uh, a beautiful child a few days ago. And the child is with a Cambodian guy. So a fantastic story love story, by the way. Yeah,
0: look, I we knew it was going to be there romantic. Yeah,
1: <laughs> There's always a romance, okay?
0: Always.
1: <laughs> so me and the, those two girls, uh, we are flying all the way from Poland to Vietnam, but because we are cheap travelers and we had no money, we had a uh, 23 uh, 23 hours and 40 minutes stopover in Russia because from 24 hours onwards they need to provide you a hotel so to avoid that they give you a a stopover of 23 hours and 40 minutes and um, um, we didn't have a visa so we couldn't leave the uh, airport, we just stayed at the airport for 23 hours and 40 minutes and during that time we found a shop that sold black vodka black colored liquid vodka because it's Russia. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Of course.
1: Yeah. As we have arrived in Hanoi with that vodka and all our backpacks, I had, I think I had 27 uh, kilograms of uh, luggage with me. Front uh, backpack and back backpack. And I'm arriving in Hanoi. I've never traveled uh, outside of Europe before. I had zero idea that they have shops in Asia. So I brought everything. I could survive in jungle for two months. I even had protein powder just in case I ran out of food. I honestly was prepared for mayhem. I was prepared for everything. A nuclear attack could happen, then I would survive.
0: You would have been good. Isn't that funny? Your first time traveling, you think you're you're like, oh, they have stores. Like you get you get to somewhere, oh, they oh they have everything I need.
1: (laughs) It's shocking. I had batteries of the sizes that I don't even need at the time, just in case I need them in the future. I had everything. So um, I'm arriving there, it's hot, and I'm overly overpacked, like hugely overpacked. So first things first, I'm starting to unpack, and I'm starting to throw things away. And then we get out of the airport, we are surrounded by taxi drivers, but we were never planning on uh, getting the taxis, because we wanted to hitchhike. So we had to walk from the airport for like 30 minutes to the uh, highway and then someone picked us up. They dropped us off somewhere in Hanoi, uh, nearby city center, but not quite. And then because I got my tent, of course, because I was prepared for uh, jungle, I had my tent. And I'm walking through the city center of Hanoi with them. And I'm looking, we are looking for a place to put up a tent. And there's a surprising fact. There's not a square meter of space available in Hanoi. Every single square meter in the whole city is used by a business of some sorts. Oh, no. There's no way to put up a tent in the city. <sighs> so we walked for like six hours until we have... Gave up at 11 p.m. at night. We were too tired. <laughs> so we decided to finally give in and just went to a hot, like random hotel and asked for price. And we got a room for $10 a night mm-hmm. for one night. And three of us went there to sleep. And as we uh, unpacked in the room, uh, the girls said like, okay, since we have... And proper room, why don't we celebrate the first night with vodka that we bought?
0: (laughs) Black vodka.
1: (laughs) Black vodka, yes. So, what would be the best thing to go with black vodka? Black Coke. The, the, The only missing thing at that time was the black Coke. And it seems there were two girls and one guy have a guess who had to go to the shop to buy a Coke.
0: I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna guess the says. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, that was me. So I went out of the uh, hotel, turned right, then five meters away there was a shop. And as I entered the shop, it was an area where no foreigners have probably ever ventured. I entered the shop and there's a, dr- a drunk uh, owner with his friends and I think that was actually a family. There was like a f- like seven guys, uh, a w- one girl, seven guys, and the owner just invited me with open hands, come and join us with, in <laughs> Vietnamese, I spoke zero Vietnamese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell what he was saying, yeah.
1: yeah of course, of course, <laughs> you, you always understand that, see, on the flight. Uh, I have read in Lonely Planet at that time that it's uh, rude to say uh, no to a drink if it's already poured into your glass. Uh. <laughs> Equipped with that knowledge, I was presented with a glass of, what's that called, wine rice?
0: Oh, yeah. Which yeah is yep. like 60%. rice wine? Scent? Yep, yep, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, rice wine? It's like 60%. I was presented with a glass. I didn't want to drink with them because the girls were waiting for me uh, for the Coke. But I said, like, okay, I'm presented. I don't want to be rude. I don't know what I'm getting into. It's my first day ever in Asia. Sorry. So I drank it. But it's a very different custom there than it is in Europe. I actually had to drink one with each person <laughs> oh, no. Separ- they refused to drink together. They had to drink every one of them with me separately. So after the first round, I was introduced to the second round straight away. They, they were not waiting for me to just say anything or anything. They just <laughs> provided me with alcohol in that uh, glass. And I had, I think, like nine shots straight. Oh, jeez! Like one after another. It was also the first time... I had the rice wine and it was also the first time I had eaten fish with head because that, that that's what they were snacking on. So I was full on like blown off by what's happening around me. We were communicating in broken English and broken Vietnamese, which I didn't spoke before at all. But, you know, you find the language while you're drinking. So And... The- and as there was a girl, they started to sh- uh, say, oh, uh, you want to marry her in, the, in like some kind of understanding that we had between us. And at that point, I was like, OK, things are going out of the way here.
0: <laughs> like, I wasn't planning on this.
1: I, I wasn't planning on that. I didn't know where it's going. So I, I had to back out. So I backed out and they given, they have given me the coke for free as well on the way back. Uh, I have explained to them that people are waiting for me in a way that I could explain. They gave me the Coke for free. I moved back to the hotel. And as I entered the room, I just collapsed on the bed and I slept the night because I was already (laughs) drunk. So that was my first ever experience with Asia, with travel. That was my invitation drink.
0: I love that. I love the, especially the introduction to the body language, you know, you you really can tell what people are saying, especially when there's drinking involved.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) That's
0: fantastic. I love that part too, where, you know, you're going to marry this girl. You're like, I got to, maybe I should go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, was the time I was like, okay, I don't know where it's going. I need to go. It was my first ever date Asia. And it got better ever since, by the way.
0: That's beautiful. So I always ask this question just to give people kind of a random, random inspiration for a, for a place to go. Uh, and I, I ask this by saying, where in the world should everyone visit? And this can be a city, a neighborhood, or as specific as a restaurant you once ate at or a park bench you once sat on.
2: For me, uh, are the uh, Zandzajie mountains that I uh, I mentioned already from the Avatar movie. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, Hunan, Zanzajia, you gotta go there.
0: Yeah, that sounds incredible.
1: Wherever you go, wherever you are from, go the wildest you can go.
0: Just push past that comfort zone.
1: Yes, as far as you can.
0: Alright, so go to. Oh, go to sorry, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say, go to North Korea. Okay, if I have to We're give a
1: specific, same. Thing, if I have to say specific country, that would be North Korea.
0: <laughs> well, guys, Agnes and says it's been very nice talking with you. Where can people uh, follow your travels on social and online?
2: etramping.com, of course. It's our blog. And everywhere you enter etramping on social media, you will find us. So, uh,
1: And if you don't, message us and we'll
2: repair it. Yes. <laughs>
0: and as always, remember, they are not a couple.
2: <laughs> yes. We are best friends, not a couple. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But this uh, conversation brought back really great memories yeah. from our travels. Like it's fantastic. Uh, now I'm full of like uh, positive vibes and energy, and uh, wow. Woo!
0: Thank you for being on the podcast, and thank you everyone else for listening to Hostile Homies.